Hey guys, welcome to episode 164 with the amazing James Roday. I am recording this intro on the fly uh, on the You're the Worst set, and I just wanted to get some shout-outs out there, guys, and uh, I'm going to get this over to Nerdist, um, so I apologize for the potentially poor quality and the ambient noise, but uh, that's what's going on. So for your emails, I want to thank Ken and Jordan, I want to thank... Um, Patrick and wish him luck with his new podcast. I want to give a shout out to Ophelia, who is in Flagstaff. Always love getting something from someone in Arizona. My first Flagstaff listener that's written in. Very exciting. Amanda, thanks for your great email. Um, Alec, thanks for yours uh, about the Barrett Kaim episode. Molly, a uh, great guest suggestion. Nick, thank you so much for your email, uh, for your MASH question, your movie recommendations. Ken, thanks for your email about Barrett. I'm glad you guys seemed to enjoy that episode. That was so much fun for us. And then after we recorded it, we were like... Will anyone else enjoy this? Um, and then I just want to finish by uh, giving a shout out to Jacqueline and Emily, who I met in Vancouver. Um, uh, so great to meet you guys. And uh, listen, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I certainly did. Talk to you later. Now entering nerdist.com. where I start to pass judgment on someone is the method in which they hold the mic. You know, I don't, if you need to do a Quentin Tarantino style where there's a sort of a sideways, your arm's going to get tired. I want to warn you about that straight away. I feel like I'm going to play it pretty, uh, pretty down the middle with my mic holding style. Okay. A sincere, a sincere two-hander. Yeah. A sincere two-hander. This is great. I'm not overworking either forearm. Okay. Yeah, no, I don't want you to walk away with a Popeye on yeah. one side and, and on you'll play side. me for that. Yeah. yeah. These, by the way, uh, listeners, these uh, microphones are, I'm going to say 25 pounds. Okay. 25 pounds each. Yeah. So you're really going to get a workout. Okay. Uh, yeah, nestle right in. I feel good. You got a backward baseball cap on. I do. Maybe people don't want to know that. This isn't a video podcast. Maybe you didn't expect me to call out every single thing here's that you a, have on. Here's a fair question. What, in your estimation, is the cutoff age for a grown man to wear a backward baseball cap. I mean, I can understand that you would think I was implying something when I said that you had it on. I'm posing it almost right. in a vacuum. Just yeah. like, hey, Janet, what's up? Haven't seen yeah. you for a while. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Yes. How old do you think a guy can be before he, you know, you know, he can't pull off backward baseball caps anymore? You know what? I'm not a... I, the, here's the thing, is that this is actually a very good philosophical question. Okay. Because don't we all have that thing where we judge other people, but then when posed in a vacuum, mm -hmm. my, like, like I don't I, like, I like to say like, there is no age. Right. There's no age limit. I don't, I listen, I, I wear stuff that I'm sure is inappropriate. I had my hair in braids the other day. I was like, I'm sure I've crossed over. Like I probably shouldn't have two braids right now and look like <laughs> Anne of Green Gables. I feel like probably I'm too old for that. But so theoretically I feel like, fuck it. We've earned and are entitled to dressing and looking and however we want, who cares. And then as soon as it gets put into practice in a way that is detached from me enough that I can be judgmental sure. about it, all of that goes out the window. And I'm like, what does that woman think she's doing? She looks absurd. But let's not apply it to ourselves. I see. Let's, <laughs> let's just talk about men. Okay. Um, who wear their... 20. 20. Okay. <laughs> 
All right. <laughs> I don't know. Is that even true? No, I really overshot the mark. I don't here. even know if that's, that's true. That's you know fair. what? Maybe it's like a like a like a Simpsons joke or like any joke that comes back around sure. after a while. Like my question is, are you too in the middle? Like, is it fine up until twenty, and then it's not okay till fifty, but then suddenly it's awesome after 50 because it's like are you fucking shitting me you've yeah. got your ba- baseball caps up, upside down dad yeah i'll tell you what the like the raw machinations behind behind the backwards hat for yeah. me yeah. is that um like oftentimes i'll reach for a hat like if i'm gonna go work out mm-hmm. um because i sweat yeah i sweat profusely i'm a profuse sweater no, you're, you're a man um from you're my boy. head from my head mm-hmm. and a lot of times you know the hat will hold some of that stuff in so that you're not constantly having like some of that stuff face, you know what I yeah mean? some of that salt uh-huh um and when you're like when you're working out or whatever and you're not gonna be one of those guys who puts like a weird headband no on. i'm not i'm not andre agassiz yeah circa 1989 yeah or just someone from a wes anderson movie or anyone from a wes anderson film or platoon mm-hmm. um <laughs> so look when you're doing like workouts it's the bill the yeah. the brim well, often you'll often end up hitting it, or it's, sure. it becomes cumbersome. Sure. So that's why you turn it around, because then it's yeah. still serving its purpose of like. And you don't feel there's no sort of like that's clonking like, that no, happens. I don't get, like, you got the freedom of friction on the neck or anything. I think right. Maybe if you pulled it around really tight. Yeah. But um, so I feel like it's there's a practicality to mm-hmm. it, but at the same time, I recognize that like this is the way that young boys. Wear hats. <laughs> I don't know though, because you could wear sideways. Well, I guess that's more like the Little Rascals and hip hop. Yeah. Now I, there's no way I'm, I can even come close to pulling that off. Yeah. So at least we're not talking about that. I mean, it doesn't look. It's not like it's the. I didn't notice it. Like, oh, this stands out. Like everything else okay, makes good. sense to me. I feel right. that it blends in seamlessly. Okay. Good. Um, no judgment, but let me say this. Please do. A, a bicycling cap, like a bicycle, like a bicycle hat, has almost no brim. They're very thin, aren't they, though? Yes, they're kind of thin. <laughs> so it would just soak all the way through. Plus, people would be like, lightweight. you're not on a bicycle. Yeah, I think I guess that's true. question that I work out in a bicycle cap. Also, <laughs> if you were on a spin bicycle, how incredibly embarrassing and wonderful would that be? It would be wonderful. I kind of want to know where you work out, but I guess that's a real creepy thing to ask because it's like I don't want someone to show up there and try to... Uh, you know what? I work out at one of those gyms that are like just for trainers yeah. and their clients. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So you don't have to give the exact address. And even if you did, too bad, everybody. Yeah. Really too bad. But it's it's better for me just because it's not, you know, it's not a pretty sight. It's not something that anybody really needs to be exposed to. <laughs> and this way, the only people that are forced to watch it are people that are there doing right. the same thing. Last two suggestions. Yep. Shower cap. Mm-hmm. Swimmer's cap. They don't breathe enough, I guess. I would probably go with shower cap over swimmer's uh-huh. cap. So the swimmer's uh-huh. cap's really tight. Very tight. Now, have you worn a lot of swimming caps? Did you ever swim? Um, I swam um, as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, like at a time when you would wear a baseball cap backwards. Sure. Oh. I would take the baseball cap off and I'd the swimming cap on and mm-hmm. the little goggles. Mm-hmm. And, um, but you weren't like a swimmer in high school. I wasn't a competitive it's... swimmer. Uh-huh. No. I generally needed balls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you want me to be competitive, I need, uh-huh. a, I need a ball of some kind. I'm sure you've got them I grew in spades. Up, I grew up in Texas. I needed... Oh, we're in Texas. I don't think I knew that. San Antonio. I oh. needed a football, baseball, basketball, a soccer ball, okay. tennis balls. All right. It didn't matter how big they were. Uh-huh. I just needed balls. All right. Well, that's fair. Yeah. God, I feel so bad for every neuter dog that just... Oh, they have very good hearing. So every neuter dog that just heard that I'm sorry, kind of cringed. Balls, balls that, uh, I mean, I guess that's, oh, is that why dogs love balls so much? 
Did we just unlock a scientific secret that no one has? Because they miss them? Yes. Like, I don't know why I love these so much, but I love them. This is very interesting to me because my dog, Scott, loves chasing balls. So follow me on this. So that's like, oh, God, I miss my balls. Sure. My dog, Whitley, is a girl, has no interest in chasing balls, just likes to sit down with a tennis ball and just chew it apart and just tear all the soft stuff off. Mm. It feels like I've I've uncovered the sort of masculine versus feminine. Yeah, they've settled in quite nicely to it's their, very gen- Freudian. their gender roles. Yeah, yeah. very much. Um, okay, so you like playing competitive sports when yeah. you were uh, in She's San also Antonio. probably seen you rip a ball apart, too. Oh, my God, more like, than once. Like daughter. With my teeth. Like mama. Uh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, San Antonio, I guess I didn't realize that that was the case. I don't know. You have the least, every person that I know from Texas, I can still always get a little textual taste of their accent. And yeah. you have zero. You have no accent. Nothing. And I never did. I, I, I grew up, uh, the first, I would say, decade of my life, I was, I've been on a military base. Um, oh, wow. Okay. But in Texas also? Air Force Base there in San Antonio, which, you know, is by no means reflective of your, you know, normal sort of Texas culture. Yeah. It's a big melting pot. Nobody's actually from Texas. I right. was sort of the anomaly. Um, my dad is a Mexican. My mother was from California. So I wasn't surrounded by people who talk like that. Mm-hmm. Um, when I moved off base which was like middle school, uh, that was actually my first real sort of kick to the teeth of like, holy shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, was the base near San Antonio? Yeah, it was in San Antonio. Okay. Um, it's like and so, little, But is it really that insular where you sort of are just like, do you go to school insulated. on the base? Do you go school, to the commissary? I, I like to throw stuff out there because yeah, my, par- my grandparents called. are military yeah. people. So. Yeah, you had your, your BX, your commissary, your movie theater. You had everything. Um, we would leave... Like to get to go to dinner sometimes, mm-hmm. um, but you know, the, for me that meant just who's we, by the way. Uh, I had a mother uh-huh. and, a, uh, <laughs> and a novel fa- and a father. Okay, so there's no you're an only child. I was an only child. I guess I maybe did know that. Um, I can we can the fellow only children yeah, can sniff it out. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, if you told me you had a sister, I wouldn't believe you. Yeah. Um, we would just go down like the road to like Kentucky Fried Chicken or Taco Bell or whatever like, fast food yeah. aisle was and drive through it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but KFC, it was an incredibly insulated child. Burger King or McDonald's? Uh, I'd certainly ate more McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Hindsight being twenty twenty, I think maybe <laughs> Burger King was better. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Burger King. You know, Tell you what, those little paper hats. Yeah. There's no way to wear enough, them backwards. Every direction is the right direction. There's direction. no bill. It's like so those, again, if it's like those origami um, fortune teller things. That's right. Oh, God, a cootie catcher? I'm real glad you brought that up. I probably still have access to mine. I could do that to you right now. That's another element of the podcast. It's I've called got. a cootie catcher? Didn't know that until <laughs> I started podcasting. Ah! Yeah. Weird, huh? Who knew? All right, listen. You continue talking about how Burger King's better than McDonald's. I'll applaud you 100%. Okay. And, bada boom, I have a cootie catcher. That's so bizarre. In my possession. Because before I was doing uh, this uh, mash game that children do, uh, I, was, I was doing this. So, well, I'm going to bring this back. I'm going to trot this back out. This is an old favorite. I got two. Wow. Did I make them myself? No. Did someone who knows what they're doing make them? Yes. You Did she small, come up with those questions and I don't know what they are? Yes. Thoughtful cootie catcher collection. I do. I do. It's very thoughtful. <laughs> it's very thoughtful. Oh, God. I'm so excited you brought it up. Yeah. Okay, listen. Only child, grown up on the base. Yep. Did your dad ever, was he, I can't believe I'm about to say this. No, do it. In the line of fire? In the line of fire. No, he was not. Uh, my father uh, 
was sort of like... Um, and when we say was... He's alive. You still have both your parents. He's living, so is my mother. Okay. He is no longer um, in the military. Um, he spent 20 years. He was mostly um, leadership administrator. Did he join because it was like a college type thing, or was he... He was drafted to, oh, he was. Uh, to serve our country <laughs> in the... The U.S. Uh, of A. In the Vietnam War. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, he opted to enlist in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. As opposed to being drafted into the army. Mm-hmm. Um, was that an option for everyone or is that an option for like a college graduate? I, do, I just don't know anything about it. Um, well, he was not a college graduate. Okay. So I think it was just, uh, I think it was a little bit of like cut it off at the pass. Mm-hmm. I feel that I would maybe go to the Air Force well, too, the, don't you think? chances of seeing action reduce yeah. significantly. What would you pick? Army, Navy, Air Force? I guess maybe you, you know too much because your dad was in the Air Force. Um... I mean, look, if you're not a pilot, um, being in the Air Force is not such a bad gig, mm-hmm. you know? So um, he was in le- a leadership capacity. Yeah, he was, a tra- he was a training instructor. Um, you know, he was like uh, Arlie Ermey in Full Metal Jacket. You uh-huh. know? He was training our young men and women. Was he barking orders? So he he's bar- bark was a barker. Orders. Did he bring that barking into the home? Uh, he didn't. He didn't. He was actually not a barky father at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did have to bark when he was with his men. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was very good at what he did. And as a result, uh, he kind of became the outlier, which is everybody's dad always mm. got stationed somewhere else. That's why military families are always traveling. Yeah, they yeah. all have the same story. And um, and a lot of guys, uh, if they don't want to take their families to Turkey or Iceland or whatever, will just go with what's called on a remote tour. So they go away for mm. a year and your know, family stays behind. My dad never even had to do that. Oh, wow. Okay. He was just a rock yeah. on Lackland Air Force Base for the better part of 20 years. That does feel, I mean, if, to have that, because as you just said, like to have the awareness that you were in sort of a, an anomaly situation where you actually had the presence of both your parents, was, even though he was in the Air Force, is pretty rad. I was like the young, I was like king of the hill. You know, mm-hmm. no, there was never a kid that was there for more than, you know, six months to a year. Mm-hmm. And I was there all the way through sixth grade. Did you have like crushes on girls on the base and stuff who moved away? Oh, yeah. And Every there year. was that sort of like, cause that's like the perfect feeder into emotional drama yeah. as a child anyway. It's sort of like it was, the, it the, was, the desperation of like, I don't even know how long I'm going to be here. Exactly. It was as a 10 year old. It was boys too. It was like best buddies. Too. Sure. Like, cause you know, that's stand by me style. You just... You spend one really cool day with somebody, and Jesus, they're inseparable at yeah. that age. Yeah, absolutely. And they were always moving away, and the girls were always moving away. And So when you went to middle school, that's like, was it weird having that kind of consistency where you suddenly you were like, oh, I'm coming into an environment where a lot of these kids probably even knew each other. Absolutely. You're the new kid. I was absolutely And they have this sort of kid. history, this shared history. And everybody looks at you. Everybody's eyeing you up and down. They're like, mm-hmm. who's this kid? What's he bringing to the table? Mm-hmm. And you kind of have to figure out, you know, you have to figure out a way to sort of, um, you know, kind of make each sect feel comfortable. So mm-hmm. that, like the jocks, you know, you've got some talent, but you're not going to come in and steal anybody's right. job. You know? Right, 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 right. Smart kids. Oh, you can hang, but yeah. you know, you're not a threat to anybody. That's a really good you know? point. So Being kinda, magnanimous like yeah, that with each different group. Yeah. Um, so that you can, you know, that you get, we want to get accepted as quickly as possible. Yeah. So but even to- that right there to me says like, I feel like that requires a social awareness that you 
probably got from maybe being like consistently on the base when everyone was kind of coming and going. Like, I wonder if you would have had the same presence of mind to kind of have that idea if you had just been like shuttled all over the place. You might have been I'm defensive gonna, in a different way. I'm I don't gonna know. say no. Because yeah. I like the way this all ties together. Uh-huh. <laughs> because the storyteller in yeah. you doesn't give a shit if it's true or no, not. No, I just, but I feel like things support other things and it makes sense to me. So, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, I like that. I like and that, so, yeah. ha- what were you like in middle school and then how did that fold into high school? And did you go to high school with a lot of people that you went to? Was your middle school 789? Uh, six, seven, eight. Six, seven, eight. And okay. I had already done six on okay. the base. So oh, so I, you really popped in in the middle. I came in, in the middle and um, I was still playing sports. Sports in middle school. What were your favorite ones? I know you like balls. I know you like balls. I uh, was listening. I was still playing soccer, uh, football, baseball, basketball. That's and, a lot. And I had added tennis to the mix. And this is all through school? Or was some of it extracurricular? Oh, extracurricular. Okay. Um, for, for school itself in middle school, I think I just played tennis. But I was still playing like in leagues and, and the other sports. Okay. Um... And so uh, the transition, the biggest transition for me as an adolescent moving from middle school to high school was abandoning athletics and, and putting most of my focus towards uh, theater. Okay. That's, that sort of happened along with the transition into high school. And did people, <clears throat> a lot of the time when I talk to people, I mean, like, it seems like absurd that there would be this much of a separation, John Hughes style, yeah. between people who do sports and people who do theater. But that was very real for me. In, high, in middle school and in high school. Like, you, I just know one. Like, once in a while, I'll have somebody on the podcast who was a cheerleader and also in the drama department. And even they are aware. They're like, oh, I was an aberration. Yeah. I was an aberration. No one knew what to do with me. I was definitely, um, I definitely benefited from playing um, varsity tennis in high school. Mm-hmm. Because it gave me just enough street cred mm-hmm. and familiarity with that whole subculture yeah. That the fact that I was essentially like a hardcore theater geek was yeah. somehow more acceptable. And they would even come and see the plays. Oh, that's like, nice. Yeah, I would get jocks and cheerleaders to actually come and see, you know, now, our productions. Just to break it down yet further, I'm trying to remember, I feel like our tennis team was the least racially diverse like I, like I feel, and again, I'm not, I'm, this is a question to you. I'm not assuming, but like I went to a school that had a the very wide, it was a you know public high school. So there was a wide range of ethnicities and social backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And I still feel like cliche style, the tennis team was mostly affluent white kids and yeah. everybody else was like way more of a melting pot. Was that true for you in San Antonio? Um, no, but there's a reason there's, a, you went to, Stellan Skarsgård High. I did. <laughs> okay, so I did. It was a public Nazi high school. Okay. To be clear, um, <laughs> uh, no, but it was Tucson, Arizona, so yeah, it was definitely like a very diverse um, world. Well, two thoughts. One, um, San Antonio is very heavy uh, Latino mm-hmm. population, and our school in particular was, I would say, probably forty percent. I mean, same. Forty percent Latino. Same. Um, so you had Me- you had Mexicans on all the teams. It's <clears throat> great. Uh, but what I will say about tennis is it is a rich white man's game, right? Um, if you want to be good, mm-hmm. um, we were a middling team uh-huh. in our district. We never won anything. But 
all the teams that were good and that competed at the highest levels were a bunch of rich white kids. Yeah. Um, because you have to have a coach, you have to, you know, you have to train every day. Yeah, you know, tennis exactly. Tennis is the sport that you kind of pick up and get good at. And a nice court costs money own. opposed Absolutely. to a public court, all that. So yeah, it's, it's a white, it's a rich, affluent white kids, you know, game, which, which is sucks, why. Which sucks because it's so goddamn fun. Which you think about what the Williams sisters have done and it's yeah. kind of mind blowing. Absolutely. they really did grow up playing on the courts of Compton and you just, and they own yeah. You know, Serena will ultimately probably go down as the greatest female player in history. Yeah. And they did it the way that's sort of inconceivable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's very impressive. But so we had some diversity on our tennis team. Um but you know, it's you get the letterman's jacket and whether it's it doesn't no one ever stops to look at what your letter is for. It's in high school. It's just yeah. like, oh, that's okay. So you're you're okay. But people did sport Letterman's jackets. Like, oh, what's everybody, up? Everybody wore their not just jacket. in Greece in the movie Greece. No, and what you learn is that you can letter in anything. Yeah, I ta- I've talked about this on my podcast before, so I don't bore anyone. But I was given a letter in academics that I neither asked for <laughs> no, nor knew was a thing, and was like, I don't have anywhere to. Yeah. Put this. I don't. I didn't even. Do you sell jackets? Like I was so far out of that world, I had no sense of it. You could really get. It didn't take much. Yeah. Um, and that's why everybody wore it uh-huh. because you know, like I said, it didn't matter. You you weren't going to take the time to stop and you know examine yeah. what was on the lapel. Well, what was your style like? I mean, did you have one? Like some people really went in one direction or another, and some people were just like, ah, I just wore whatever you know, jeans and a t shirt. Devoid of style my entire life. <laughs> Well, where did the back, the back, I mean, the backward baseball cap, that's a strong statement. I have been wearing jeans and t-shirts um, that aren't, that are somewhat like middling to ill-fitting my entire <laughs> life. I never once found an, uh, the one thing I did, um, which you actually were around for part of this phase. Oh, ah, this is exciting. I did uh, develop an affinity for puffy vests. <laughs> That's um, right. You definitely like did. Like down vests. Well, that's good for Vancouver anyway. Yeah, I was in Vancouver for a nice stretch there, but yeah. but it wasn't only because of Van- because I would also wear them here uh-huh. where it was not cold uh-huh. at all. So like the male version of UGG boots. Yeah, and like I would wear them just about every day regardless of what the temperature was. And now looking back, do you have a sense of why, what the appeal was? Because there's certain things that I can go, oh, I, I know why I love that. And there are other things where I'm like, I'm not sure what that was about for me. I think it was a, it was half... They really did work in Vancouver um, because it kept your core warm, but I also get hot really easily. Mm-hmm. So it was like the perfect sort of this will make this will keep me from getting sick, but mm-hmm. also I won't get hot. God, we need to figure out what that maybe the baseball cap is that maybe yes. it is that. And then the other half, I think, was just it became habitual and almost like a security blanket of some mm-hmm. kind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did it so often that then I actually couldn't imagine not having one. Yeah. On. And if I went out without one on, I felt naked. Uh-huh. So. I wonder if this is, was there something satisfying about having this sort of like signature thing that felt like you put, had more Maybe thought attached to it than just like your basic. <clears throat> for the first time, I was actually associated with like um, an article of clothing uh-huh. or like a stylistic choice. Oh, puffy va- yeah. vase? Puffy vase? Not that it Don't was buy a puffy succeeding vase. on uh-huh. any level, uh-huh. but it was at least identifiable sure. as, oh, Rodé wears vests. Uh-huh. And then like every holiday... All I got from everyone uh-huh. were, were vests. Like they thought they were the one person who yeah. noticed. And I, en- I think I could get him a vest. I ended up building uh, quite a, a collection. Oh, my. Yeah. And, and you know and, what? Do you still have them all or have I, you gotten rid of some? 
the choice to sort of get rid of all Rough. of them. It was a, something that needed to happen. Yep, yep. Um, it was probably long overdue. Like it, almost as if you had long hair. You were cutting your hair off. It was getting Don't rid of the best. Don't even get me started on sure. dudes with long uh-huh. hair. Um, <laughs> That's the other thing I was going to say is uh, the headband and then also there's a top bun thing happening uh, in a big bun, way. The man bun? There's a yeah. pony bun around, very <laughs> yeah. around. Like everyone's a samurai all of a sudden, kind of. It's not good. It's not a good look. Yeah. Did you ever, how's, what's the longest your hair has ever been? College. College, it was down. Um, it was oh, down wow. My, it you was really down did. My shoulders. Yeah. It, was, it would like gently, <laughs> lie. It would gently lie and flip. Just brush. Brush the shoulder. For a tickle, a yeah. shoulder tickle. It was kind of like a, a Jim Morrison ish mm-hmm. look. That Is I, that the kind of music that you were into? Um, and was music even important to you in high school and college? Music was very, music has always been very important. I mean, I knew the answer to that, of um, course. Absolutely. But. Uh, no, I was living primarily in one of two spaces uh 80s new wave mm-hmm. and um singer female singer songwriter lilith farish okay type stuff maybe i didn't know about the female singer songwriter stuff i yeah. feel like i've leaned hard into talking about the smiths <laughs> and the cure with you and maybe yes. not talked so much about sarah, sarah mclaughlin okay 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 yeah uh I okay was, I've always so you a, felt you had you had your feelings, a guy with feelings, not just I a theater guy, but a real feelings the female guy. Female instrument, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and take that as you will. Okay, I, I think it's pretty much all encompassing for me. Mm-hmm. But the 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 female vocal instrument, um, especially, um, yeah, I just it's, there's a purity to the female sort of. Mm-hmm. Singing voice. You can call it angelic if you feel yeah, you must. That I've uh, I've always. I don't know why I haven't serenaded you more. This is really good to know. Yeah, thanks for nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I for sure covered a lot of Sarah McLaughlin songs on my guitar at the coffee shop in Flagstaff, Arizona, when I was a freshman in college. Wow. Oh yes. Well, I, I auditioned, like but like for musicals, for Into the Woods, I auditioned with a Sarah McLachlan song that I self-accompanied, and the musical director could have not been more nonplussed. Well, like he was like, "I don't know what your contemporary thing is, but this is musical theater." This guy would have cast you, right? This guy would have cast you after like two bars, <laughs> just open, just my, because, just walking on stage with a guitar. As soon as I realized you were singing a Sarah song, yeah. you could have tanked. It wouldn't have mattered. Oh, you were that's in. Really good to know. You'd have been in. So God, I wish you had been a professor of theater. Yeah. So yeah. So those. I mean, it was music all the time. Um, yeah. I, it's rare that I'm not listening to to something. Um, did you Did you go out with girls who sang? Like, was that something that you found yourself doing, or was that sort of not? I was. I was always. I was in a couple bands, mm-hmm. um, so I was I was the one who, who sang. <laughs> <laughs> but um, did you play an instrument? I can't remember. I would play the keyboards. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Um, How perfectly new wave of yeah, you. Yeah, and I would pair up with like a guitarist, and we would do it. In college, it was mostly me and this other guy who kind of fancied ourselves as sort of like a Simon and Garfunkel uh-huh. meets Kings of Convenience type sure. of a which of is a flex. by the way so close that you might as well just say one or the other. Yeah, I just and God, I don't know if everyone knows Kings of Convenience, so they're <sighs> but they're very Simon Are and Garfunkel. Maybe my favorite band, possibly. Really, I love them so much. That have you song. seen? Did you see? Have you seen them? I've seen them I twice. I've not seen them live. They are adorable and so funny. They seem like so they would funny. Be. And Let me quickie, I'm going to give you a quick okay. side anecdote of Kings of Convenience, one of the best shows I've ever been to. San Francisco, Great American Music Hall, uh, 
everyone's just in love with them because they're so charming and funny. It's just the two of them. And towards the end of the show, they are like, you know what? We want to involve you guys more, but we feel like we've discovered that audiences are a little bit shy. So we're going to go ahead and ask them to turn all the lights out. And so they turned all the lights out, which in my mind, I was like, if anyone wants to steal anything, this is the right time. But they turned all the lights down. Maybe there was a little bit of a flicker. And then they played Free Fallen and they... Every, they were like, please, everyone sing along, just guitar, them, and the entire audience. It was so wonderful. Wow. But the idea of having that lights down was just so thoughtful. You know what I mean? Because no it was already was, such a quiet, Nobody was show. self-conscious. Exactly. And everybody could just... It really was effective. Good for those guys. God, I love those guys. That song, Homesick, is oh like my in God, my bones. that song. <laughs> yeah. That song. Yeah. Oh, That whole album in, in particular, like Surprise Ice and... Uh, the gold in the air of summer, all of those things where you're like, why don't I just live? Like to me, they're the epitome of the happy, sad music that I love most, which is to feel both like your heart's being broken. The Boney Vare, Boney Vare album is like that for me too. It's like your, your heart's being simultaneously broken and mended at once. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Oh God, it's so good. Yeah. Those guys are something else. Uh, I mean, I immediately need to know any and all band names that you have. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay. Uh, Dogberry. Huh. Oh, like uh, Shakespeare Dogberry. Yeah. Okay, all right. Um, Did people get that, or were they like, what the hell is Dogberry? They got it because we were in theater school. Okay. Um, but that's the one that ran, 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 ran me through college. Okay. Yeah, that was our... the two. Just That yeah. was the two of you? We were Dogberry. Oh, my God. Yeah. What were your gigs like? Um, very coffee shoppy mm-hmm. and bookstory. Okay. Type but gigs. you would travel with a little keyboard? Um, yeah. And he played guitar? Yeah, I threw it under my arm. Okay. We do our little... We do our fun little thing. Don't try thing. to make it sound cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't Whatever, cool. I'd it was fucking, <laughs> I'd, you just throw pepper it with fox. Yeah. I'd fucking throw that fucking no, thing under my fucking arm. Go to the fucking I mean, that's what you shop. did back then, you know? Sure. You walked everywhere. There were no cell phones. Did San Antonio have a good... Wait, is this in college? This was college. Wait, where'd you go to college? Uh, NYU. That's different. Yeah. So we Was the there village. a music scene in, in San Antonio that you were aware of, or were you just getting all of your... Cause you, so you love the Smiths, yeah? Yeah. Smiths, in high school. Cure, Tears for Fears, yep. Cash Mode. That yeah. was my That was, my, that was my a jam. fun pilgrimage to see Tears for Fears in Vegas. With oh, you. yes, it was. That's right. That was, I still talk about that. It was so fun. They're, they're so great. Mm-hmm. I love those guys. Kurt, Kurt Smith is one of the great all-time human people. Was that... Is that... Uh, I can't believe I'm about to... This, this is so gross. Is that for you my version? Because I know you guys have become close. Is that for you my version of which is Bruce McCullough? Which is if you told the fourteen-year-old me that I would count that person as like one of my nearest and dearest, that you would pee your pants? I would absolutely pee yeah. my pants. It's nice to check in with those feelings, isn't it? Absolutely. To know that but you still that we are such fans that we still appreciate that stuff instead of just being entitled assholes. Like tr- whatever, yeah, I'm worth no, it. It's never going to be like that for me. Yeah. And the truth is because. Uh, because Psych ended up being so 80s driven. Which, which has so much to do, to do with, with you. With me. Yeah. And I, I, got to, to, I got to befriend a whole bunch of people. I was just going to say that. That, that was like the, that's the, that just opened the door. So worshiping. And, yeah. And it never ceases to amaze me. And it never stops being surreal. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Never should. No, absolutely. Dogberry wouldn't want that. Dogberry would, wouldn't stand for that. What were your songs about? Um, we did a lot of covers. Mm-hmm. Um, oddly enough, when we did covers, we did like super pretty sort of ethereal covers of mm-hmm. stuff like, you know, Take On Me. Or, sure, uh, sure. 
Uh, we we did some Sundays songs because oh, I was a big Sundays great. fan. Oh my god, the Sundays! Um, they were yep. like my favorite band as while they were making music. Mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. finally had to face facts after about two decades. Uh-huh. <laughs> they weren't going to make any more <laughs> records, and I should probably find a new band. Right? <laughs> um, do you listen? Or do you have people that? Because I'm trying to think of. Like, I feel like only recently have there been bands that are bringing back sounds like Echo and the Bunnymen-ish sounds or, you know, bands that I'm like, oh, this is good. This is like straight up brand new what I yeah. miss about like 80s and and or, I guess really 80s new wave. I feel like there's like a every couple of years someone will give it a shot. Yeah. And it and it's and I find them and I think, oh, well, this is so cool. Yeah. Rarely do they seem to be able to sustain themselves? Yeah. And I think the problem is that if given the choice, I'm still probably going to pop in a Cure record. Yeah. Over someone who's yeah. doing a very admirable facsimile yeah. of it. Who do I? Who reminded me? I remember the first time I heard, uh, weirdly, because so much of their music doesn't sound like the Cure, but um, Shout Out Louds. Yeah. There's like a real Robert Smith quality, it, but it's like late, yeah. like happier, <laughs> chippier. <laughs> Cure, which is a weird period for them. Which is a weird period. <laughs> like it's a real weird, incongruous sort of like. Oh, are we? Oh, are we all happy now? I'm. Yeah. I guess I. I, I guess I. That. I won't. I, you're not my go-to for upbeat music. I, I'll go to the Sundays. I don't need that from the Cure. Yeah. I didn't need that. Yeah, me. that was weird. Disintegration for me <sighs> is just, and I've talked about this, but it's been a while since I've talked about disintegration. It was like, it doesn't get any better than that for exactly what it was. A sort of the perfect. Seen, moment in time you've seen them live you know what i've never seen the cure live i don't know what it would be like now yeah it's one of those ones that give me pause because I, <laughs> I don't know if i'd ever want to go see any of these bands that i hold in such great right reverence maybe not be what they were yeah um tears of fear still brought it absolutely uh, still brought I it i saw depeche at the staples center i keep hearing that they always I, bring it dave still has it um <clears throat> yeah I don't know. I don't know what the. I don't know. Morrissey, I think, has lost a step. Well, he if he has to cancel every other gig. Yeah. Sorry, April Richardson, but yeah, I feel like every. I mean, she's she's out on on tour with him. I say in quotes, but you know, she's out there doing, going to those shows, and um, I just every time I talk to her, I I feel like she's like, well, now he canceled that one, right? So we're going on to blah blah blah. Feels like, well, maybe you don't book so many guys. Yeah, I saw him. At now Carnegie. it's part of the. Carnegie Hall, maybe five or six years ago, and I felt like that was he was really straddling the line. Mm. Not so much because he can't sing anymore; he can, mm-hmm. and not because he doesn't look good. He actually does. Mm-hmm. It's just he cares so little about whether or not we're having a good time yeah. with him. Yeah, that um, yeah colors the experience. Sure, you know, sure. He Did also, you- like he'll purposely play stuff that you know he knows you don't want to hear. Yeah. Yeah, if, he, if if his tour is a fuck you to the audience, then why why are we all exactly. signing up for that? Yeah. Did you see a lot of shows live when you were in high school? Like people rolled through San Antonio um, and you made sure to be there? The Sundays came through. Yeah, they did. I saw them at the Majestic Theater and it was marvelous. I um, saw them like in a hotel ballroom. Some of those uh, some of those bands I've seen, like I saw the Sugar Cubes in a tiny ballroom because no one knew who they were. It was oh way pre-them opening for U2. I would have loved so to these have seen little, the yeah, these little places. Um, San Antonio was not a hot spot um, <laughs> when I was in high school, but like I remember, like I remember going to see like a Fugazi show, mm-hmm. and and Jawbox opened, and then this little punk band came on, and 
they had green hair and everybody was like kind of booing them because they were like, who are these posers? Uh-huh. And that turned out to be Green Day. I thought, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so funny. So like I remember seeing bands before they were bands. Mm-hmm. That That's who would play in San Antonio. Yeah. Or like the Eagles would come. You know what I mean? Like those, those are your choices. Right, right, right. Um, so the fact that the Sundays made it made it through was a big deal. Yeah. Because um, it was a band that I actually wanted to see. And, sure. And uh, it was a beautiful. They do have one really beautiful theater in San Antonio with good acoustics, and that's where they played. Were your? Did you have like who were you going to these shows with? Did you have friends? Who like guy friends like straight guy friends? Listen, no judgment. I'm just asking, like straight because you guy f- because you were crossing so like you said yeah. you had like there were so many things you were interested in that one one guy would be like dude, and yeah. then another guy would be like, but I don't get your other thing that you love. Our theater crew were guys and girls, and it was a very sort of an incestuous sort of crew. Mm-hmm. Um, we were all huge Sundays fans. Okay, good. so that was it was a clear cut group that was going to be making that uh-huh, journey. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, we all kind of listened to the same stuff, mm-hmm. um, which is what bonded us and sort of glued us together. And you, I have implied, I think it's fair to say we're girl crazy. Yeah. I mean, sure. I've, I've always been, had an appreciation for, um, the gentler, wiser, <laughs> s- s- smarter, um, sex, uh, for sure. Um, I think, yeah, I, I think in a lot of ways, I just, I have so much appreciation for, like the spirit of of your species, mm-hmm. what you are, what you can absorb, what mm-hmm. you can go through, what you and you look at the hands that we were given as the sexes, and it's kind of mind blowing um, how unfair uh, <laughs> the balance is in uh-huh. so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And so I've always just been kind of fascinated by women because of your capacity to do so much and so much less interested in men because um, it's basically just like, here, take this meat. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Yep, sure. Take this meat. And you know what? A lot of guys have gotten really good on the girl and good for them, but when you only have one fucking job to do, like, it's not that impressive. Uh Yeah, okay. All right. I mean, I appreciate. It. So, what does that mean that you would be like writing songs for girls and writing oh, yeah. po- like you were was you probably had girlfriends early because you were you're attractive and you also were not like the standoffish guy who was just like, "I don't get it." Yeah. Stupid girls. I I definitely was writing songs with with the girls' names in them. Um that was a staple. God, those lucky girls. <laughs> yeah. The song. Now I want a documentary of just reuniting you with your, I guess, Dogberry or just yeah. something and whatever that would be, and then just lining them all up, yeah. play one song after the other. It's, In no particular order, girls, so don't feel right. like it's a favoritism this, this thing. The song was usually called the girl's name. Oh, amazing. Did you feel like each song was very different from one another, and do you still feel that way? I feel like there were a whole bunch of sideways songs mm-hmm. um, where uh, a, a chord was changed. Uh-huh. Um the lyrics were, I mean, they were all living in the same sort of fishbowl. Uh-huh. Um, so the key was just how do you work in the name and how many <laughs> and syllables, does it rhyme with how something many syllables new and does different. it have and how do sure. you make that part feel fresh. Sure. Yeah. Um, but in the time when, like, th- this is too where I, where I struggle. And in fact, this is something that's happened actually very recently that feels very high school to me in some ways, which is this development of someone turning out to be a little bit more of a 
Lothario. I don't even know if I'm not sure even what that means. I might be right. But anyway, this guy that, you know, a friend of mine was sort of had been in love with and they had parted ways, but then she sort of found out after the fact that he was oh, he very was much playing the field, that kind of thing. Yeah. And not in like a one time way, but just in a sort of like mul- multiple balls in the air. And, um, I think because I, again, it's the theoretical versus the practical. It's like, if that happened to me, would I in any way have the same objectivity? Probably not. But somehow I, it's too easy for me to remove myself and go, I know, but like, he really might have just thought that he was in love with all of them and just been somebody like, it's too easy for me, I think to go, well, I can't. I don't know that this person's a bad person, even though, of course, that's not cool and it's not okay and it's not fair to the other people. But I think it's too easy for me to sort of lean into like, but but I don't know if that's just his makeup and there's something that happened to him or whatever. If he's just like kind of crazy about all these girls, people never think they're the bad guy. People never think they're the bad guy. Um, And until it happens to you, we're all way too good at being objective with other people. Yeah. Um, I, I'm guilty of the same thing. Like I can sit in a, and look at a situation that I have absolutely nothing to do with and break it down. Like it's nothing. Yeah. And meanwhile, the person in front of you is just a broken heap of you yeah. know, scrap metal. And yeah. you're just like, I understand that it feels this way, but here's the reality and here's why it's going to be okay. Right. Um, but then when it happens to you, of you course. don't, A, you don't want to hear that. Of shit. course. Um, and B like, you know, People want to feel like they, they're entitled to honor themselves. Yeah. And, and that they're not bad um, for honoring themselves, right. even if it comes at the expense of somebody else's feelings. Right. It's like we're living in a time now where every, signage, every piece of signage that you see is, you know, it's not selfish to put yourself first. Some version no, of... No, that's a really good point. Honor yourself. Respect yourself. You only have one life. You know, you can't be good to anybody if you can't be good to yourself. Yeah. So everybody's kind of walking around thinking, well, it's not selfish to right. do exactly what I want in any given moment right. and put myself first because that's that's how I become a whole person. Right. That's how I discover who I am and that's what's going to actually ultimately somewhere down the line make me a better partner to whoever I end up with. But if you're always in that space of, I mean, you're absolutely right. Like we, I think especially belong to this generation of seekers, right? Where it's your, you should always be seeking, which the generation before us remarks. And I don't think that they're wrong. Well, you're never going to be happy. If you, if all you're doing is asking yourself if you could be happier, you'll never be happy. You'll never be in the moment. And that's why everyone sort of, then there's like this weird backfire of, well, you have to be in the moment, but there's still something very selfish about being in the moment yeah. too, because you're like, well, listen, I was just in the moment when I cheated on you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I can't be held responsible for that. I can't be held responsible for having feelings that I never saw coming. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, but at the same time, it would be do, I would be doing myself a disservice if I didn't explore uh-huh, uh-huh. these feelings. Yeah. Um, I get both sides of it. I do too. I and I've been do. on both sides. And I, I wish I could say, like, listen, I'm such a great human being that I haven't been, but that's just not the case. And no. I don't think it's, I think because of the age we are and the way we grew up, not to put it off on society, because, you know, I take responsibility, but it is very easy to, whatever answer you're hoping is the right answer, you can find that somewhere. Like, thanks, internet. If I want to go online yeah. and find out that it's cool that I cheated, there's plenty of places that will tell me that. If I want to go online and be told that the person who cheated on me should be killed, I can also find that. You can justify just about any action 
in in order to sleep at night yeah nowadays and you'll always have at least one friend who's got pom-poms telling you like yeah girl Uh (laughs) you go you're absolutely doing the right thing yeah and then whoever that friend is becomes your best friend during that time yeah no it's true god that's always so interesting too that whole sort of like you find out who your friends are uh there's like if you really wanted to tease that apart it's almost like you find out who your friends are because of what your friends are going through when you're going through something yeah and that's I, not because it's not even nothing is everything is sort of ephemeral and and changing all the time nothing is ever like well this person did wasn't next to me when such and such happened so they're not a friend it's like well did you know that they were going through a divorce or whatever you know what i'm saying like it's interesting also, I think what happened to tough love like that used to be like a real sort of thing that had value yeah like but like now it's like if if you're a good friend, you're just supposed to be okay with everything. Uh-huh. And I'm just yeah, you need you need to go in this human being's life. Then that's what you need to do, right? Because that's <laughs> right. Old, that's where you are, and that's what, and I'm here to do that. What happened to like um, <laughs> I love you, but yeah. you're acting like a fucking crazy person yeah. right now. Yeah, and you're probably gonna end up regretting this at some point. So maybe think about it. Right, like that. And I don't want to be. I can't be around and you. it's really hard to watch yeah you do that. i feel like that brand of f- friendship is like dying yeah again i think it's it's again it's if anything if anything gets presented like this what you're doing right now is just not good for me <laughs> yeah. um and i need to look out for me yeah so i can't be around you because it's not good for me yeah it's it it all kind of ties back into the same sort of generational sort of thing we were talking about where so what's the answer to that above and beyond tough love what's the answer to that is the answer to actually go like you know what it doesn't fucking matter right now in this moment how i feel there's a there's an ethical super there's something ethical that supersedes what feels selfishly right to me right now i need to keep my eye on that and make a decision that maybe doesn't feel like it's serving me i ultimately don't think that here's what i would say i think I think you have to, to to make the decision that s- serves you if you're a good person and you are trying to get somewhere, you are trying to get to a sort of clearer, more functional place. I think you have to service yourself. I think there are just, there are ways to do it that are a lot cooler than <laughs> other ways. Yeah. And I think the responsibility yeah. that comes with along with being a, a, an adult and, and be someone who actually has a heart and cares about others is, okay, how do I navigate these waters so that I'm being true to myself, that I'm honoring myself, but I'm also causing as little collateral damage as possible? Sure. I think that's the way to do it. I think- and, that's for, and that's more farsighted than, you know, what can I say it happened in the what moment? What can I say it happened? Right. Um, I'm not going to feel bad about it because it was real and it was true and I have to do what's right for me. Um, is the shitty version. I think, yeah. I think you can put a little more thought into it than that. Um, and I think you can sort of serve both purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if, if that was more sort of the driving kind of thematic behind all of our quest for mm-hmm. happiness, then I, I feel like there would be more, I think there would be more unity. I feel like everybody would, might be able to get on board with everybody else's journey since we're all basically on the same one. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, I want you to be happy as long as... You know, you're not shitting in my face and Mm -hmm. I'm not going to shit in yours. And we can all kind of support one another on this sort of crazy journey where ultimately we just all want to land in a place where we can feel good and totally for each other. Um, Just don't just don't be a dick. Yeah. You know, like you can you can be selfish without being a dick. Yeah. Well, part of that for me, too, is like and this is, I guess, getting really uh, 
kind of esoteric, but I feel like part of that is for for me, what I've just realized recently, like even just on the, on the level of, um, I was listening to stuff you should know, which is just like a fun, silly podcast where you sort of learn something based on the thing that the two guys who do it have also just learned. So it's not like they're not experts at anything. They're like, I read these three articles, but they're very funny and charming. And, uh, and they were talking about road rage, uh, on a recent episode and they were, and, and both of them openly sort of admitted, like, look, we all have the capacity to be this jerk and probably have, uh, but what causes that and why do we do it? And just hearing like some anecdote from one of them who seems like the nicest guy in the world where he's like, I was appalled at myself because I cut this guy off on purpose because he cut me off and I know that's not helping anything. And in my mind, I thought, God, this is exactly what I appreciate is the admission of smaller weaknesses on a regular basis to me makes it less likely or I I would hope that it's less likely or it seems less intense to just like bottle everything and make snap decisions and feel like no one else is doing that and you hate yourself or if I told anyone I had this impulse you know what I mean this sort of separateness and otherness where like you make everyone else the bad guy um, that there's some kind of balance to be found in just like is there is there an opportunity to be a better person if you can admit to someone the smaller things and feel like, oh my God, I'm not alone. Actually, that feels great. Maybe knowing that like I'm not by myself in this makes it possible for me not to actually go through with this thing because I was able to talk about it and, and admit it and acknowledge it. You know I, what I mean? I think there's a ton of value in that. I just think a lot of people sort of set the bar so high for themselves, either because of the person that they want to be or think that they're supposed to be, or the way that they believe they're perceived by others, yeah. that it's like they never, they'll never allow themselves to have like those daily moments of accountability. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like I've known, I've known way too many people that are like, in order to be a good person, you can't ever make a mistake. Right. And therefore, unless I do something that's so fucking egregious that the entire planet saw it, knows it, and I have no choice but to own it and uh-huh. apologize for it. I'm just going to go about my life like I don't make mistakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. like, dude, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, I'll, I get up, the, I make a mistake in the first 10 minutes of the day. <laughs> like, I fuck up immediately. Yeah, and, and you agreed. Have, you, have to, you have to be aware of that. Yeah. It's what makes us human. It's what makes us all the same. It's I the know. One commonality that we can celebrate is yeah. like, we are going to fuck up until the end of time. Yeah. And and all we can do is is try our best to not yeah. knowing that we're going to. Yeah. And um, yeah, I would love everybody to sort of adopt kind of that, that approach to living because I feel like it would be so much easier to forgive people. Mm-hmm. The know? messiness. Like and your yeah. shit stinks. Uh-huh. I promise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I smelled it. Yeah. Like, I've gone into the bathroom yeah. after you, you know, and it stinks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not as bad as mine, but it stinks. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. But yeah, I think so many people um, equate being a good person with not messing up. Yeah. And so it's just like, you know, there's this kind of myopic approach Absolutely. to like, well, that, that wasn't bad. That yeah. wasn't bad. That wasn't bad. That doesn't, come on, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. When it's really just like, dude. Yeah. Well, I, and I've said this before, and I want to get into this mash game with you because I'm very excited about what your answers will be. And I, now I owe the scooty catcher experience. Um, but I feel like uh, when I was a teenager, I 
desperately it's that is there there's a weird dichotomy when you're a teenager where it's feels so important especially if you're a creative i think it feels so important to be special and to feel like you're different and your brain is different and you have something different to contribute and somehow that creates this like wedge between oh i have to be different and unique which means i can't i'm i don't i'm not like everybody else and somehow I I don't I, and I don't feel like I'm a terribly regretting person because a regretful person because I, I don't think there's that much use in it other than like learning and forgiving yourself and moving on and for sure trying not to revisit whatever it is that you fucked up about but uh but I I sort of wish that I had had a sense because when I look at the movies I was into and the music I listened to and the writing I did and all that stuff it's so clear that I desperately wanted to feel like I was like everybody else on an emotional level right. And, but this desire to feel special and different, like kind of disallowed me from really leaning into that and realizing that like, I can, I can be super special. I can also be the most normal human person on every other level. Like, yeah, maybe I can write a great song that doesn't preclude me from being understood by everyone for feeling bad when someone said I, my butt looked big or yeah. for feeling, you know, insecure because like, I didn't know a bunch of people at a place, you I know, be an artist all that posture also watches a shit ton of sports. Absolutely. Like, and that doesn't make me any less of an artist. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So it's weird. Those things. I, I just, that's sort of my hope for like my younger listeners. When you write in, I just, um, it makes me so happy when you're like, Oh God, it, it, I somehow it clicked with me that, you know, I'm not the only one. Cause even, even it's when I've done the boys of summer series, the guys are like, I didn't like, I couldn't connect with the fact that girls were like me. Like I couldn't, they were, they seemed so different and I didn't understand their communication to the degree where like, I really missed out because I could have known a girl on a level that was like intimate in a way that wasn't having sex with her or, yeah. you know what I mean? And, uh, and so I, I, what I like about the sort of, proliferation of the internet and being able to communicate in comic cons and places where people go and talk about the fact that they feel weird in other environments makes me happy because I don't feel I had that connectivity and that sense of being understood when I was younger. That's why I listened to so much Sarah McLachlan. You know what I mean? Because it did did allow me to appreciate a woman. Yes, I know. I mean, I think you were ahead of the game on that. I do. I really do. Head start. You're entitled to wear that backwards baseball cap until the end of time. As far as I'm concerned, you've earned it. Thank you. And everyone else couldn't F off. I don't know why. I've been cursing like a sailor the entire thing. And now all of a sudden I'm saying F off. Okay. Okay. I got to do this cootie catcher. I don't remember any of these questions. It's been quite a while since I did it. Um, shout out to uh, Victoria for making this for me. And Thanks, for coming Victoria. With questions because God knows I don't know how to do this. Okay. All right. It's, uh, it's almost like it's, it's like a weathered artifact now. Okay. Uh, pick a color. Blue. B-L-U-E. Pick a number. Four. One, two, three, four. And pick one last number. Two. Okay. Two. Oh, what a great question for you. Okay. What was the first album you owned? And I mean like, you know, the, the, first, the one that you remember going out and buying like I remember buying Peter Gabriel. So The first record I have... Well, that's not true. I have two distinct memories. Whole record... Uh, 33 inch um, it's the soundtrack to the Muppet movie amazing great answer 45 yeah that's all by Genesis oh, great <laughs> great yeah. god Genesis and I, I love Phil Collins played the sh- shite out of both of those yeah my dad had a a, a side business 
on the bass is like a mobile disc jockey. Oh, great. He would play the clubs and he would like do weddings How and hip. stuff. So, uh, I've never sounded less hip than when yeah. I said how hip. <laughs> no. Your voice went up an octave. <laughs> it did. Uh, and also, like, I became from Minnesota. Yeah. I was like, how hip? Oh, my God. What a hip guy. What hip. <laughs> um, and so he would go uh, record shopping every week. Um, so I, you know. Was, and you approved of his taste and he of yours? He was mostly, he had to do top 40 stuff. Yeah. Um, but there was some top 40 stuff that, I mean, I was, I was, I liked Michael Jackson and Prince as much as the next kid. Yeah. Um, but I would tag along and he would often let me choose like a 45 and, um, take on me is another one. That oh, I sure. The hell out sure. Of. Did I, you get the soundtrack of some kind of, to some kind of wonderful? I remember that was like a huge deal. Some kind for of me. wonderful is one of my favorite, favorite yeah. soundtracks. The yeah, lick the so tens cover of yes, you know, falling in love so with you. So good. So, so good. Yeah. That's a, that's a, I could talk in, for an hour about good covers and bad covers. Oh yeah. God, yeah. have you done like a. Have you sort of done that for someone where you have like a playlist where you hand over like your favorite covers? The best covers? Yes, yeah. I have. I'm going to need and that from you immediately. on that. Yeah. I'm going to need that because I'm wondering what, how much crossover there is and how many things I'm going to go, oh shit, thanks Rodea, this is rad. I didn't know this was a thing. I'll do that for you. Okay, great. Sunday's Wild Horses obviously is on. Oh, that. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, great. All right, listen. Uh... I'm going to start out with this because it feels like a natural progression into this mash game named three uh, singer songwriters slash bands that uh, you don't know personally now that you wish that, you know, they would call you up and be like, please come to our show, come backstage. And this can be a band who no longer exists. This is a suspension of disbelief, sort of otherworldly. They still are around and want you around. Well, am I allowed to say the Sundays since I yes! don't know them? I mean, I would hope so. Okay. So definitely the Sundays. Great. Uh, I'll tr- I'll attempt to make something current mm-hmm, and s- go with uh, of monsters and men. Okay, great, 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 great. Yeah, so good. And uh, I think it would have been pretty great to hang out with the Who. Sure, I feel that way about the Kinks also. Oh, Kinks, are you know what cool. I mean? Yeah. How fun for them for for him to be like you know what? You're smart and funny. Yeah. I'd be like, thank you so much, mate. Just go hang out while they were doing Tommy. Like, Oh God. Yeah. Ugh. all right. Great, great, great. Okay. Uh, let's do three. Let's do three places in the world that you have a vacation home that you'd like to have a vacation home. It can be that you've visited them or that you haven't. And that you just think that you would love that. Stockholm. Great. Um, Reykjavik. Nice. Boy, I could just be your next door neighbor in all of these places. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, not going to ever pick. I, everyone always picks like a Hawaii and I always go no, way. I always go north immediately. Like I Oslo. Cold, I would put Oslo on this list. I'm a cold weather uh, Me person. Too. So, um, Did you go to Oslo? It's the one part God, of Scandinavia. God, I got you there yeah. ASAP because yeah. I think it was my favorite. Damn. Yeah. You'd love it. Yeah, I would love it. No question. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with, um, I'll go with a place that I've actually never been. Okay. Um, I'll say Australia. Okay, great. Yeah. You'd love that too. Not the hot part though. No, not during the summer. Um, Melbourne's pretty great, but it's hard because Melbourne kind of reminds me of like Vancouver and San Francisco. So there's a sense of like, what a great city that I kind of already know somehow, but you know what? We'll get you there. Uh, okay, next one is uh, movies, three movies that are in some way real worlds that you can just jump into whenever you want and hang out with the characters. It's not like you were becoming one of the characters. You're just like hanging out with the untouchables or what have you. Gotcha. Um, I don't know what this says about me. Um, 
not it's not great. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. Yeah, but I gotta go with Clockwork Orange. Uh, I mean, get in there. Um, I, I could wear the get ups and I know. We've talked about this, right? Yeah, like maybe, we've talked about that the first time that I went to San Francisco, I was wearing a giant Alex yeah. eyelash. Maybe I don't have to be an active participant in. All you don't have to activities. rape anybody. <laughs> you don't have to rape anybody. But that world is so. I know. It's so great. Yeah. Um. I. It, yeah. What can you say? Um. I would want to jump in. Um. And hang out with everybody. Real genius. Oh God! Yes, please. Yeah. And then just eat all that popcorn at the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh God, I love mm-hmm. those guys. And then, um, and again, in an attempt to try and keep it current, uh, I'll yeah, go. that's a place, by the way, where you jump in that world. You better watch out because you're as cool as Val Kilmer's character, and he would have been immediately threatened by you. Yeah, I would have had to pull it back. You really would have had to pull it back. Um, I'll go with the Mad Max remake. Great. That was pretty pretty good. I've never seen any of the originals, Ooh, um, but I saw the the originals are good. But yeah. I, as far as a reboot goes, I yeah. don't know if he could have done any better. Yeah, they really knocked it out of the park. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, I'm always excited when any woman has almost no hair and then just black all around her eyes. She, it's so like Daryl Hannah and Blade Runner meets Ripley. She crushed it. She's great. She killed that. She's great. Yeah, and I think the franchise is kind of going to be turned over to her. Yeah, now. feels like I the next so. one Max is. Yeah, that was her movie. Smaller. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Oh, so good. Um, okay, three, three songs you wish you would have written, and I'll do respect to the person who wrote it. It's not like you're, you know. I know that you have tremendous respect because they're your favorite songs, but it'd sure. be so awesome if you're like, you know, I actually wrote this song. This song, three. Okay. Um, fast car. Oh, so good. God, I love that that was your first answer. Um, wish You Were Here. Yeah. God, you're picking some perennial classics. And then... Um, I should fun it up on one. <laughs> Instead of... Ah, these uh, emotionally intense. Oh, they're great, though. Yeah. Uh, I'll go... I'll go with... Uh, Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Oh, there How's you go. That? I mean, you know what one, I've never thought about this before, but one for me might be, as soon as you said fun it up, and I was like, <laughs> I probably tried to pick some really obscure stuff, but then when I think about the first time I heard The Laws, There She Goes, uh. when you listen to that, it's the same thing as seeing a movie or something where it's like a story you've heard a thousand times, but for some reason, and you're like, and you know, maybe you're not like this, but I have that thing where I'm like, what I have to do has to be memento level creative opposed to just like, then you hear a song like that and you're like, this is a fucking great you song. Captured, I would never write this. Cause I would be like, it's too simple. You captured the living shit out of a moment that we've all experienced. You know, you just nailed it. It's like, he just sings the same thing over and over yeah. and over again, but it's so like visceral yeah. and prolific. And like you, you, you see it, you feel it, you get it. Yeah. That's a good song. God, it's a great song. Even the, it's such a good song that like even like a sixpence the richer cover I know it. is like I know. palatable. She can't. They didn't ruin it. <laughs> didn't. They didn't ruin it. It can't. It can't be ruined. I defy you to ruin that song. Okay, next category is three women, uh, living or dead, or just of any age um, that you have uh, some romantic times with, or like an alternate universe marriage, whatever you want. <clears throat> It can also be like a character someone's played, but ideally someone that people recognize. Um, well, I mean, with all due respect to um, 
the father of her children and everything that they've done uh-huh. together, I would put Sarah McLaughlin on that list. Great. Um, from the time I saw the Into the Fire video as a seventh grader. Yeah. Was, uh, and that's early her. That's, that's before she broke in the she States. Was covered in naked, covered in mud. Great. Yeah. That was big time. <laughs> that was big time. Mm. Um, let's see. Uh, how about... This is the trickiest one. I know. It's tricky. Because um, you don't want to come off as, uh, you know, shallow. Yeah. But, I mean, it's your mash game. <laughs> you already put Sarah McLachlan on there. I think you're covered. Okay, that's true. That has meaning. Um, okay. I mean, I'm trying to think of who you would say. Like, <laughs> what if you were like, I don't want to seem shallow, but Anna Nicole Smith. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Mm-hmm. How about Monica Bellucci? Oh, God. What a little sex pot. Yeah, sorry. No, no, I'm right there with you. Um, and then... God, Monica Bellucci, I haven't thought about her in a little while. So was she, she was in... I get her confused, I think, sometimes with... Um, she's married to Vincent Cassell. She, okay. She's, she's done... Uh, I mean, I, I know she was in, like, uh, Shoot 'em Up. I mean, I know all the stuff she was in, but I think all of a sudden I also confused her with... Bah, she was in the Rodin movie, Camille Claudel. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Um, I confuse her because they both have beautiful, perfect lips. She's yes. like a French version of Monica Bellucci. Yes. Anyway, I can't believe I can't remember her name right now. Um, She's very beautiful and sexy. I have to go with Harriet Wheeler. Great. God, we're getting so musicy. I love it. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Bless her little heart. Yeah. <sighs> Sundays. Okay. Uh, next one is three, uh, foods or drinks that have zero physical ramifications in this world. In fact, they're good for you. And it could be something that you can't have, you don't have access to that you wish you could like, Oh, there's this place in Japan where I had sushi that I, you know, if I could just have that at the snap of a finger or it could be, you know, I just wish I could eat brownies all day long and have it, uh, and feel great about it. Gotcha. Um, Peanut butter. Yeah. <laughs> um, so sure. simple, so great. Yeah. It's the there she goes of foods. It's there she goes. Um, I would say uh, Mexican food. Yeah. It, I could get more specific than that, but it, I would anything on any yeah. Mexican menu works, works for me. Yeah. Um, Do you have a place here the, uh, that you love in LA? Because I don't have the place that I, I love like I do in other places. You would think, like, I have one in San Antonio. Yeah. Which is more Tex Mex. Yeah. The cow of the cow mex places like I'll go to Velvet Margarita. Yeah, but there's no place that I've I've ever been like this is my spot. Yeah, for have you been to all the places that people are like this is authentic Los Angelino Mexican I food? I feel like I have. Yeah, me too. And I feel like there's there's no single place that really stands out. Yeah. amongst the same. others. I thought you were maybe going to give me like a place I could get real excited about, but you're right on the same level as me with that. There's a joint that I'm. I have not tried yet that I think I'm going to try very soon um, in Koreatown. Oh, yeah. That's, is that the, not the, like, Il Compadre, like, that it's, oldest? It's not that one. This one is specializes more in, like, uh, Oaxa. Mm, so, uh, I do love that. Moles. Yeah, like, moles and black beans pick and, like, your the... Protein, pick the your sauce. Yeah. And then I guess they have them, the biggest selection of mezcal in town. Okay. It's got, it, starts with a, it starts with G, and it's, okay. it's impossible to say or pronounce. Uh-huh. But uh, I'll let you know. Okay, let me know. Uh, okay, peanut butter food. Mexican food number peanut three. Peanut butter Mexican food. Uh, I gotta go with ice cream. Okay, Fuck. great, 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 great. Okay, three <clears throat> superpowers. 
could be as uh, isolated as like some one of the X-Men who just has like one of those side X-Men that you're just like, oh, all they can do is walk through walls. Or it could be something bigger like flying or whatever. I, I guess those are both really big. I definitely big. think it would be um, beneficial to be able to read somebody else's mind. Okay. Yeah. Dangerous. I just feel like it would save us so much time yeah. if we knew what the other person was thinking. How, I wonder what your adjustment period to making peace with what would be horrifying about that before you desensitized to that and just were like very zen about it. I wonder how long it would take. Me? A couple weeks. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if you chose the power, you would already go in yeah, knowing that you had to get used to it. to like, I need to get over this part pretty yeah. fast. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, mind reading. Got it. Yeah, Love it. Flying for sure. I feel like everybody, yeah. anybody who doesn't say flying is full of shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> there's, just, there's no way. Yeah. That you don't want to fly. Yeah. Also, I feel like if you can fly, somehow I feel that erases a lot of cursory other fears that yeah. are... T- you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. there's a general invincibility feeling to being able to fly Agreed. that I think would like tap into some deeper human stuff that we all have. Absolutely. Great. Agreed. Mind reading, flying. Good uh, luck with this third one. I'm going um, to go with... Uh, I don't know what her name is because I, I, I suck with comic book stuff, but mm-hmm, whatever too. Halle Berry's called in x Oh, yeah. Storm, I think. Yeah. I want to okay. be able to pretty much make it cold all the time. Get in line with me. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I, would I was just... I, I, this is my least favorite weather, weather in the whole world right it now. It probably be 50s. Give um, me some... I prefer 60 and foggy. I take Pretty that. much whenever. Yeah. I'm good. That. Um, so Great. yeah, I would control the weather. God, I was just in Vancouver and it was so hot, Rodé. That I didn't go up there thinking it was going to be hot. No, I, I went up there thinking it. it was going to be something. I can't take a little the rainy, a little cool. I can't take the beads of sweat when it's like, <sighs> dripping down your back. God, heaven. Yeah. All right. Um, third one is what is the third and final one going to be? Instruments. Okay. Instruments you can play. You wake up tomorrow, Matrix style. You've downloaded the ability. Three instruments. All right. Um, I've always wanted to be an expert mandolin player. Oh, great. She said looking up at the mandolin, at the mandolin that is yeah. so out of I've tune. Got, like, I've got a, a couple of them that are out of tune. Um, ever since I saw uh, Nickel Creek live, mm-hmm. I yeah. was like, that instrument is just amazing. Oh, shit. Do you know, do you know Sarah? I am a fan of Sarah's. Sarah's a good friend of mine, and sometimes we do music nights, and I need to, are you kidding? I need to remind myself to invite you. That would be awesome. She's fantastic. Yeah, she's a genius. Took me a long time to get comfortable with the idea of even doing anything around her because I was yeah. like, "Ugh, she's just gonna laugh." Well, speaking she's very of generous Sarah, spirit. I would put the violin on that list Great. too. Ugh, agreed. Um, on all levels, like classical, fiddle, bluegrass, like all of it. Love it. Yeah. Great. 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 Um, and then I'm gonna go drums. Yeah, get them in there. Love it. Okay. Uh, this is the most important scientific how, part of math. How did how did we do in terms of how long it usually takes to fill out the mash card? I would say that you are faster than average. Okay, good. Yeah, there's sometimes there's very pregnant pauses. I was starting to worry that maybe I no. was I was bringing us down. No, this is not the shortest, but it's certainly not in okay. anywhere near the longer ones. Gotcha. Uh, until maybe right now, maybe this is where <laughs> you kill it. Uh, tell me when to stop. Okay. Stop. Okay. Uh, I'm going to pause this. Okay. I want to reassure you to the listener, it will seem as if no time has passed at all. That's amazing. I'll be back with your 100% guaranteed mesh future. Technology. Okay. Uh, we had to really talk about snow for a second. Listen, I'm 
extraordinarily pleased with the results of this. Really, I'm bursting at the seams. Um, first of all, let's. I'm going to rip the Band-Aid off. Mansion sh- apartment shack house is, of course, what MASH stands for. So that you have no control over. Okay. You did end up with a shack. I ended up with a small shack. But it's in Australia. An Australian shack. Okay, so I'm feeling a little aboriginal. I mean, possibly, but I don't think you want to be there because it's so hot in the desert part. So I'm imagining a coastal shack, which basically translates to like as if you had a shack like... I don't want to say Malibu, but like up the Oregon coast or something sure. like that, where we sort of this have is a still. stumble out of the gates. That's what this is. I just needed to get. Why? Well, that's why I'm saying I want to get that out. Okay, of the way. good. Because that's the only negative one. All right. The only negative one. I want to congratulate you on your ability to fly. <laughs> Thank you so, very much. No worries, because if you need to get out of that shack uh, or out of LA, you see? just fly on out of Makes there. Makes me feel so much better. Uh, I want to congratulate you on your ability to play the violin. God, I'm so jealous, as if it were real. I'm like, a flying I'm very violinist. Angry. You're a flying. <laughs> hey! Uh, infinite amounts of ice cream. Oh, and that and it never causes infinite, me any trouble, no right? No problem whatsoever. I would say that before you fly, you need to fuel up by yeah. eating ice cream. It's the only way you're going to be able to fly properly. Oh, what a dream. I want you to know that you can eat uh, ice cream while you hang out backstage at a Monsters and Men show. <sighs> I know, by the way, I'm still saving the best for last. Okay. I feel I'm still saving the best for last. I'm seeing them next month, by they're the way. They're going to be, well, they're going to become your friends, and they're also going to be very impressed indeed when they find out that you wrote Wish You Were Here. <laughs> <laughs> That is very impressive. Which I feel that you should be getting some sort of uh, royalty every time some uh, guy who only knows how to play that song tries to serenade someone in a college dorm room by playing Wish You Were Here. I think that yeah. still happens. Not realizing what the time. song's actually about. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's exactly right. Uh, I also... Okay, listen. Let me just get these last ones uh, that I'm extremely excited about. You've got two left. Uh, very strong two. Very strong two. You can go and hang out in Real Genius. Gosh, I feel like I did what that. A win. I what know. A I know well. Win. Yeah. And you ended up with Sweet Harriet. <sighs> My first, probably true crush. Where else do you want to be than in a small shack? You don't want to be in some mansion where she just disappears to you. No. You're next to you every. I'm going to play the violin. She's going to sing. Wheeler. I'm going to take her for. Fl- I'm going to fly her around. Right. It's going to be beautiful. This is a beautiful. This is a beautiful result. Sorry, I, you just knocked it out. Sorry, of the park. Dave. But Sorry. Look, she gave you two beautiful children. What are you going to do? <laughs> it's time for her to move on yeah. into this alternate universe. Um, I'm excited to get you over to the house for some music times. Oh my gosh, I would um, just want to. I just want to come and listen yeah. and behold. Which there is that too. There the are definitely talent. people who come and don't feel yeah. like they need to play. But you know, if you feel like it, you can. Please um, do. That, that sounds I, like a wonderful night. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. This is a real joy. You have been. Uh, there are people that ask, like, I, I definitely, when I announce I'm getting ready to do Boys of Summer, I get a lot of influx of, like, please talk to this person, please talk to this person. Um, some of them are impossible because they're like, can you interview Michael Caine? Uh, you know what I mean? I wish someone had asked me to interview Michael Caine. But, uh, but, I, but I would say far and away, you were the person that people are like, are you, I know you did Psych, are you going to interview James? Are you going to interview James? Are you going to interview James? And so I had to play it close to the vest and be like, I don't know. For me, I had to play it for close years, to the puffy vest, I by the way. I played everything close to yes, the vest. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I jumped on your joke because I didn't know you, you did. were going there. God uh, damn it. It was good. Uh, it was good. What a pleasure and a joy. The pleasure was mine. Um, guys, thanks for hanging in. That just leaves us with one thing that perhaps you thought I had forgotten about, uh, which is, of course, to sing uh, a little snippet of Boys of Summer. <laughs> 
Um, want to jump into the chorus? I think we should jump into the chorus. Okay. You do the Don Henley part. and um... <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Okay. I'm going to go with... Now, the one thing that's confusing about yeah. him is that he changes out words in the chorus. So I'm picking this chorus. This one. The first one. Okay. Um, but I, can't I can't see you. You brown skin. Shining in the sun. You got, you got your hair combed back and your sunglasses on. Baby. I can't tell you if you will still be strong after the boys of summer have gone. Baby. As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by The Amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.